Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Almost Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory with great warranties. Great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, which is so important. It helps ease the buying experience. And a great service department with fabulous technicians to back it all up. It is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Now, for the play-by-play call of the day, you didn't pick another one of your own, did you? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. The thought crossed my mind. I'm going to be honest with you, just to have fun with you. But I, I understand that I made the play-by-play call a day not long ago, so I, I thought twice in the last week. Yeah, that that's uh, that's more than I expected. So, <laughs> so I, I'm happy. That was my that's my goal is to make the play-by-play call a day. And our goal is to make you happy. Here's now, if I could find the play-by-play call of the day, it would be a whole different story. There it is. Uh, goody, <laughs> let's play it. Damian Lee off to the races the other way. Gives to Wainwright. Left corner three for Washington. He gets knocked down. Counted. And the foul, the tray, and the trouble for Wash. Yeah, there you go. I don't remember why I picked that, by the way, but... Because you were desperate, it was the first one that showed up. <laughs> no, I, I actually I like the I like the end of this. I, I actually oh. like the end of it. The tray and mm. the uh, trouble, uh, trouble. Yes, tray and the trouble. I actually like that one. Are you going to steal it? I might have to tomorrow night. Oh goodness, the show is at half mast. All right, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's bring in Joe and John Crispin. Welcome, great to have you with us. Steve? Steve, flags at half mast. Is that for the show or for the NCAA? I didn't get that. Both. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Got it, got it. It's okay. We can joke about it because it's not like you're really going away. No, exactly. It's not like like you've been canned and no one wants to hear you. So we can (laughs) can be okay with it. Well, for 11 years, I mean, they cared enough to have me on. True. But I don't know if they cared to listen. So I, I think it they did. It doesn't matter. Check still clears. We're good. Check cleared. We're good. Hey, um, college. Kevin Willard made a statement the other day about Big Ten scheduling. And he talked about how the Big East schedules, he talked about the number of 9 o'clock games in the Big Ten, how they schedule weekends and so forth. Uh, here he is, a, a new guy in the Big Ten. He makes that statement. What you think of what he had to say, Joe? Oh, I, I think he's right. <laughs> so do I. I think he's completely right. I think uh, when you look at, and I think it's hurting not just him, maybe because he doesn't have the deepest team he probably wants, but it hurts all of them. Um, the way that schedule set up when you look at it from a coaching standpoint, it's brutal. It's brutal to begin with, and then you add all those elements of 9 o'clock games when fans are ready to stay at home, 
and uh, it certainly makes it way more difficult. So the, the question is, too, is, is it going to get better with the new TV deal or is it going to get worse? Because, mm-hmm. you know, one would say you, you've really gone the route of money, uh, more so than exposure. Uh, we saw what happened in the Big East, right? The Big East goes all Fox, FS1, and mm-hmm. people lose interest. They don't see it as much. Uh, so you're you're going to look at days where you can say, all right, where's a day that we can say this is a Big Ten day? This is where you're going to get to the Big Ten. And they'll start to create days, but that also means it's a 7 o'clock game and a 9 o'clock game. And I know we also have UCLA and USC coming in, so who knows what that's going to lead to. But, you know, I, th- I think the days of coaches even having much say in these things are almost over. You know, these are presidents that vote on big media rights deals, and then the commissioner sets this stuff up. I mean, how much do coaches really have say on anymore? I, I think that's the challenge. And if and if we get so far away from the people that are actually doing the job, having influence on what happens day to day, scheduling is a part of that. That that would concern me. And I think Kevin Willard's onto something. It's just kind of funny because he just got here. Right, you, which I kind of like. I like. No, I no. It, it's I've talked about this for years, but it doesn't matter if I say something. Because first of all, I'll I'll I broadcast games that started at midnight Eastern time in the Pacific and Mountain yep. Time shows, and I've done games in the East that started at ten a.m. I don't care what time the game starts for me, but I'm thinking about the players. I'm thinking about the sequencing of games because yep. of, of of what Penn State plays in. I mean, Joe, you're on a bus right now going to a game. As a matter of fact. Um, how much do you have to think about a schedule when it comes to your players and making sure they get back for class and, and what the sequencing of games happens to be even at your level? Yeah, it's more so when you factor in all the travel. Um, I always tell at our level it's not terrible um, as long as you're not traveling too far. But in terms of traveling on a Tuesday, staying overnight, playing on a Wednesday, getting home late, doing it again Friday to Saturday, um, that can wear you out really, really quick. And if you add in late starts and getting home at 3 in the morning instead of, you know, 1 in the morning, it, it adds up really, really quickly. And I think one of the things John and I have talked about before is the fan experience. The people who are actually there in yeah. the room are taking a back seat yep. to the people who aren't there. And that's a, I think it's a huge mistake over the long term. Yeah, especially when you, when you consider – the challenges of a conference that bottom to top are, uh, you know, as good and as deep as it's ever been. If you think Nebraska and the likes of Northwestern and Minnesota are cakewalk, you're crazy. You've never played in the Big Ten. So if you yep. consider how easy it is to go on a negative slide, right, to have a bad game and then two nights later, after a 9 o'clock game, two nights later you're playing at 7 o'clock or maybe 6 o'clock uh, local in a central time zone, that's a quick turnaround. So you're on the road till 9 o'clock at night. You travel the next day. You get back. You try to go to class or whatever we care about anymore. I don't even know if we're trying to say we care about that anymore. So we have <laughs> practice, and then we get ready for a game. Like, that's there's no real rhythm to it, and I think that's a challenge. When, when there was a good – I feel like when we played, there was a good rhythm to the season. You know, we play like a, almost what, like a Wednesday-Saturday Wednesday, schedule? Wednesday-Saturday, yeah. Yeah. So yep. we played a Wednesday-Saturday schedule. There was a good rhythm to that schedule. Um, I think we, we had we, – we knew what we were getting into practice-wise. It also helped us avoid having one bad loss lead to another. Whereas right now, you're seeing teams that go, wait a second, we, we just did not play well. We got blown out of the gym, but we've got to play in 36 hours against the number 10 team in the country. 
how do you not lose two in a row and how do you keep that two in a row from becoming three and that three becoming four? It, it's not easy. We saw it happen to Northwestern. What was it last year? Or a couple of years ago, I forget yeah. when they were top twenty-five team and then they lost like seven or eight in a row. Right. Yeah. And people are like, oh, they're not that good. And I'm like, it, it's also the Big Ten. Like the scheduling, the strength of the conference, it does that to you. And then the truth of the matter is, I don't think the people that make these decisions care. That's that. I, I think that part of this too is. Uh, College football is played on Saturdays. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, once in a while is a game on a Thursday, or once in a while is a game on a Friday. Okay, I got it. But Saturday. Well, college basketball, Saturday should be an important day. Yes. So now, so now let me give you an example of last year. Last year, Iowa played one Saturday game in the Big Ten. That was wow. at home. At home. They yeah. played one yep. Saturday game at home. Penn State played one Saturday game at home, and it was when the students weren't here. And Illinois played none on Saturday. Wow. I mean, Michigan State, on the other hand, played six Saturday home games. Really? You only, you only get ten. You only get ten home games. They got six on Saturdays. Really? I mean, who's, you know, there's no common sense here. You're, you're well, saying that, that it's lopsided based on maybe the – the power of the coach and how long you've been in the league. I mean, it certainly is. I, I remember talking to Steve Peichel about this because when they, the 20 game conference schedule came out every single year, their first two games were brutal. Yeah. He's like, I wonder how long this is going to last. I'm like, eh, until you become one of the teams that nobody wants to play. How about forever, Steve? How about forever? Probably forever. I mean, look at this year. I mean, they should have beat Ohio state if not for guys stepping out of bounds, jump back in. But uh, that that would have been a great start, but it's just a brutal way. When you come out of feast week, too, that's the other thing. We yeah. load up feast week, and then we get right into conference play, and then we have a couple, you know, lame games and maybe one or two by games that are, are home and homes that you think are good. But it, it's a it's a weird rhythm. There's a really weird rhythm to the season, and and this is what you get when you want every game televised. I, I get it. That's Look, right. I like it because it keeps me employed. Yeah. But the reason why we play every single day is because every game needs to be televised. And if you're not televised, then you're at a disadvantage. So you're willing to play games on a Friday night You're willing, at 9 o'clock. You're willing to play games on a Monday night at 9 o'clock just to have that game on TV. There's too much value in it, both from a monetary standpoint, but also just from a social standpoint and being relevant. But again, the experience of the people there has no bearing on the schedule, which is yep. brutal. And you know, that hurts. I mean, those numbers are incredible. <laughs> if Michigan yeah. State's playing six games on a Saturday in front of a raucous crowd, taking off Sunday and playing the next week, that's a huge advantage uh, to playing Sunday, going immediately to class, and, I mean, maybe you get a day off Monday, maybe not. That's a significant, significant difference. And uh, it's the worst part is it's, it's just harder to get people there on a random time on a Friday night or a Sunday afternoon. Oh, and by the way, this year you're supposed to play two conference games in December, and then you then then you don't play again until New Year's, except for Ohio yep. State and Michigan, which have played one. Yep. <laughs> I know you're yep. shocked. Iowa and Northwestern are the other two. Yep. You just ask yourself over and over again, who's in charge of this thing? Uh, the TV. T- TV companies, TV yeah. companies. Yeah. It's like yeah. uh, I want to be. I got to be careful because I, I like being I employed. Yes. but at the same time, aren't you with a TV company? 
Yeah, yeah. But, you know, look, uh, let's keep it that way as long as possible. Uh, he was even questioning that Fox aspect of things. Uh, yeah, like I know. I, I, used, I made the mistake of criticizing ESPN when they went after Tom Izzo uh, tied to the Larry Nassar scandal. Mm. And uh, I, was, I was wondering if they would ever hire me, but I, I guess they let me in the door. Yeah. Um, it's, it, is, it is concerning, though, because it, it is all about money. And you've got to think about why is Michigan State on uh, six Saturdays? Well, because they rate. Right, because yep. people are bidding on those games, sure. and you know when you so and so gets first first dib, CBS takes their games, and they they rearrange the schedule a little bit for CBS, and so they say, well, that was going to be a Saturday game, we're going to move that to Sunday, so CBS takes that game, and then Fox has their big games, ESPN gets choice. They move the schedule around for these guys. They move the schedule around to make sure that the right teams are are on at the right time. Is that fair? No, but that's the business world we're in. Especially now, because the business is all done above the table. We don't have to apologize for it. Kids get money. We can make business decisions on top of the table. Well, I would also say this, though. They do that in the NBA. Professionally, you should do that. But the difference is the NBA games are still starting at that 7.05 time local, right? right? Uh, Because you got games all over the country. But when you're dealing with a conference, now maybe it changes with UCLA and USC a little bit. But when you're dealing with a conference, it's a little more, you know, just two time zones you're limited in that regard so you want to play this nine o'clock game and it's nine o'clock eastern time well there's not a kid under the age of 10 who can get to that game on a tuesday right. or wednesday night so how's a family going to get out and, and watch a ball game during right. the middle of the week they can't well but but if you think about it the nba the nba they do have revenue sharing from a television standpoint if i'm not mistaken right the nba oh, no, they do share. but yeah they yeah. do yeah. But, but think about that so so ownership would say you know forget this we're not playing late games we want people in the arena we want people buying yes. 12 dollars beers yes and james harden jerseys as long as he's around for the time being like they want people in the building, whereas I think what we're communicating is we don't really care. We're getting money either way. And, right. and that's a slippery slope because I, I do feel like a lot of the decisions we're making uh, put this whole thing at risk, if that's a groundbreaking statement or what. Like, it's not. It's it's obvious. This whole thing's at risk. This whole thing's at risk if we start looking at football as, as different or separate from basketball. Mm. And, and this whole thing's different if we start looking at basketball may be different from every other sport on campus. Well, then how does every other sport on campus exist? Right. Uh, I think we're there's a really slippery slope right now on the business side of things. You know, it's interesting. Um, the Las Vegas Bowl um, drew 2.5 million viewers. Yeah, yeah. Right? The Las Vegas Bowl. Um, I don't think Joe was one of them. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, definitely not. Right. Which outdrew WWE SmackDown at 2.2 million. UCLA Kentucky basketball on CBS two million, which by the way is good. That's a good number. That's yep. a good number. Celtics Lakers one point seven million. Hmm. I mean, that's for that particular day. Yeah. And, wow. And I mean, it, what what can college basketball do, if anything, to make the re- regular season? more relevant compared wait, wait. to... Joe, Joe and I just did a show on this. We yeah. solved all your problems before you even answered the, que- asked well, the question. That's just, I, I, that's we why I asked the, the rule, question. We changed the rules of college basketball. That way, I'll let Joe, I'll let you take this one because you had some really good things that, that make the game fun again. So I'll let Joe... I'll let well, Joe I, I, Anybody I, wearing jersey number three can take any shot they want? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's always been a rule. I think the, uh, the... Here's the question, though. I, or not the question, but the premise is just they're not focused enough on the experience at, of the game and at the game. Yep. Um, they're not 
there, there's even their timeout rules, um, quarters, all these different things that we discuss, shot clock. It's about creating a better game. And what's happening is because TV's driving so many of these decisions, they've made a worse game. So there's more stoppages, so there's more physicality, so there's less scoring. I mean, we've had multiple games that are in the 40s. I'm mad if my son's high school team is playing a game in the 40s. <laughs> I mean, that's in a 32-minute game. Right. With and no then nobody's, nobody's really evaluating why that's happening. And it's, it's happening because we've come up with, you know, 45 timeouts a game, stoppages to play like crazy, and then we wonder why the game's too physical. Well, it's because of TV timeouts, but you don't want that answer, so you don't come with that answer. You, you yep. need to change, you know, if you want to change the shot clock, if you want to if you go to a more pro-style game, you're going to end up with a better product. But they act like their concern is for the product, but it's not. It's more about, oh, well, we can't change that because. Well, if you go that direction long enough, people are going to lose interest because the thing itself isn't as high quality as it once yep. was. Not to mention, um, a lot of our focus is on changing rules so we don't manipulate officials. We don't manipulate the game. And it's like, hold on a second. Like, hmm. You're missing the big picture. You're missing the most obvious thing is which the, the to- at times, and at times it's often, the game stinks. Um, it, you have incredibly talented athletic players on the floor, some of the most talented and skilled players we've ever had, and the product stinks. Well, why is that? I think if you answer that question properly with the right people, you'd realize that the rules are not tailored to the game. The rules are tailored to controlling the environment, and controlling the environment is boring. Sorry, simple as that. No, which yeah. is, right. You need more freedom of movement, flow, shooting. That's what people want to see. They want yeah. to. See. That's why. That's why rules in every league right now are are tailored. That's why Major League Baseball has been so desperate to change rules. They want yeah. more scoring. Uh, everybody, every rule in the NFL that was changed was changed to get more points on the board. And that's what you want. People want to see points. Yeah. Every every rule that's ever been shifted, the future is always offense. The future is always offense. So we won't be surprised when these rules change, but I think they really they are playing with fire because if you're not willing to evaluate, when people say, well, we want more scoring, I just say, well, take away all TV timeouts. You'll immediately have more scoring. Hundred yeah. percent. If you take out all TV timeouts, you will. And, and at our level, we do. It's easier to score. It's easier to find rhythm. The moment we introduce TV timeouts, which we do at, in the NSA tournament for no apparent reason, um, it changes the nature of the game. Now we still have a habit of playing that way, so we score. But at the higher levels, the more stoppages of play you have, the more physical the game's going to be. It's just like having football as opposed to soccer. And for these people to act like they can't make it work that's a short-sighted issue because you, you, if you keep saying that you're going to end up with an inferior product of games in the 40s and 50s when the very same players with an adjustment to some of the basic structure could make a game in the 90s and the 80s which would be much more entertaining to everyone yeah. more people would tune in including myself yeah. Now, in addition, I don't think these people that make the decisions understand that there's a rhythm to the game. The game itself has a certain rhythm, and ideally that, that is up and down flow. Teams find out how to find that rhythm and fit within it and maybe create their own. But what's happening is teams are having to create their own rhythm in a game that has not, right? That is start, stop, start, stop. So it's create a little rhythm in this, you know, this between these two timeouts, and they'll create another rhythm. Right. So it's like we see some runs, but we don't really see a consistent rhythm to the game, which means there's no reason to really 
watch every bit of it. So I think the rules we started to create with a 24-second shot clock, you know, four quarters, longer timeouts in between, you know, in between the quarters, and then a longer timeout uh, at the five-minute mark of each quarter, and, and then put people in the double bonus right away. I think that was another one. Shorter shot clock, double bonus right away, start to penalize fouling more often, get scoring up, and, and there just seemed like simple things that could make the game better. But I think the control we have of the game – Sometimes that's coaches, too. Coaches don't want to see rule changes that they have to adapt to. That That's a challenge, but we need to do it. Guys, thanks so much. Happy New Year. Joe, good luck today. Thank you. Appreciate it, Steve. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Right, You're man. the best. Half-mast. We're with you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and John Crispin. Reginald Walker, final half hour. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory, all with great warranties. So important. Uh, maybe the budget says pre-owned inventory. They've got it with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, which is so important to the buying experience. And great service department with fabulous technicians. In fact, they need more technicians. They're getting a lot of work. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15. Almost Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Evidently, Penn State has picked up a defensive back in the transfer portal. Uh, so I would direct people to want to know more about it to our good friends at On3.com and Blue White Illustrated. Uh, this is the only reason why I, I'm not going to comment on it, is that what's interesting is that, uh, as you know, if I make a comment about a recruit before they sign... It's actually a violation because I'm, I'm paid by the university to broadcast the games. So when it comes to standardized freshman recruiting, it's all good. I understand that when, you know, the third Wednesday in December and finally, boom, it's free. I can talk about all the guys I want. Hey, great. Let's talk about Tamir Robinson. Let's talk about, you know, I can do that. When it comes to the transfer portal, like, I see that they're committed and I hear that they're committed. I don't know if they've signed. <laughs> so I if I, I just so I'm just trying to play it safe. So our good friends at on three dot com and and uh Blue White Illustrated are the ones that uh broke the story and 
Uh, they have it for you. Also, under the category of, I think I lucked out, and not because I did anything, because the travel agent did, the last few times, after flying Southwest for years... I was just going to say, you lucked yeah. out because you're not flying Southwest, aren't you? Yeah. The the last few times I've had to go commercial, because, I'm oh, look, I'm really lucky. I get to go you know, on charters and so forth. And this is one of those where because of the Los Angeles to Detroit part, I needed a commercial flight anyway. Okay. So I said, you know what, let's just go earlier Let's you know, than the charter's going, and let's just go all commercial. Okay. So I got a hold of my guy Jimmy Benitez in Dallas, who sets all this stuff up. And the last few times we've done this, he has put me on United. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Jimmy. <laughs> I owe you again. Well, he was trying to put you on Southwest, but he couldn't get through on the app, and they had no flight anyway, so it didn't really matter. I feel awful for those people. Uh, that, that's terrible. That's got That has to be terrible. And there are a lot of reporters out there that are stranded because, look, Southwest has had a good reputation all day. I've never had a problem with Southwest, ever. Just turned out the last few times Jimmy's booked me on United. Okay. Uh, and including this one. I feel awful for those people. Stranded. There have been a lot of reporters covering bowl games. Holiday Bowl I've seen. Orange Bowl I've seen. We're now reporters I've had to... Like, <laughs> I'm driving. Okay. Man. Because part of this, when I when I do get the flights, I do look up the performance record of the flight. Because I want to see, like, you know, the, what kind of on-time rate, what kind of cancellation rate. You know, it's like, I got to get out there, right? Or I got to get to wherever I got to go. Right? So I do check that out. You know, I'm sure many of these people did the same thing. Felt fine about it. And here they are at the holidays. They're stuck. They can't get their bags. They're running out of rental cars. Jeez, that must be an awful experience. Ah, well, well. When Jack was, Jack Ham was traveling commercial, Jack now, nine times out of ten, Jack comes up here and he goes on the charter. And it, believe me, it is exponentially easier to do it at the day you know, it's, it's a dream way to travel. Uh, but he used to kid me. He says, do you even know what the inside of an airport looks like? <laughs> like, well, do I have to go commercial sometimes? Ah. Oh, well. The last time I went out of State College, now, obviously, I went commercial round trip in the Charleston Rutgers thing. Went into the four games in four days. Uh, and the last time I think I went out of State College, I get into the security line. And, of course, all the security people know me at the airport, right? Because it's the same security people that send us through security on the chart. Hey, see what you like, So I, I take, I put my stuff on there. I think I've done everything right. You know, I took off my shoes, the whole thing. And then I get to go through the metal detector and it goes off. I'm like, oh, man. They're like, yeah, you got to take your belt off. I'm like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> Also, it changed my pocket. I forgot. He looked at me and says, haven't you ever done this before? I'm like, are you new to flying? 
<laughs> Haven't you ever been through this airport? Not this part. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right, let's bring in Reginald Walker from Charlotte. Sir, welcome. Happy New Year. Great to have you with us. Steve Jones, how are you? End of the year. What a year it's been, huh? It has been an incredible year. And part of the incredible year, you know, you've done so much with media and you've been hooked in with John Orrand and those guys. There's still one big media contract, well, actually two that still have to be negotiated in the near term. That's the NBA deal, which will be the big one. And then the other one's the Pac-10 deal that probably will be done some point uh, between, uh, I'd say, before March 1st. They should have that done. Uh, when you have talked to people about streaming versus linear, linear is still important. What does streaming mean to all the people you're talking to in the industry? Streaming is the difference in streaming is the the perceived endless pot of money, right? And I think sometimes, and 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 I've had a lot of conversations, even most recently, as you know, when the NFL did their deal for the the Sunday ticket with YouTube uh, and Google, right? That that whole deal, and and everybody's sort of thought process was, why would they do that? Why would they take it away from televisions? And I go, because the presumptive wisdom is that all of those people that had whatever it was on, right, in this case, DirecTV, they're just going to go over there. And YouTube TV, last I checked, is cheaper than DirecTV for that subscription. The added piece of that is uh, that is money coming in every month for the uh, streaming services. So the amount of money that they are paying to leads, as it were, uh, does not bother them as much because they are going to get that revenue back in their mind in the form of that monthly subscription fee. So, uh, listen, at the end of the day, I, I, I could give you a, a very creative answer to this. Right. But the bottom line, Steve, is all of this is being done because of money. And as long as the streaming services have more money or are willing to write a check for a larger amount of money, then that is where these leagues are going to continue to go because they realize that it is an arms race in every way, shape, form, and fashion. And if you're the Pac-12, or let's even go backwards, if you're the Big Ten and you just brought in UCLA and USC, you may not be talking about it out loud, but in the back of your mind, there is a wonder as to how you're going to get the, for instance, tennis team from Los Angeles to State College, Pennsylvania, and not lose a ton of money. Right. Well, if that means you got to get some more money out of a streaming service to, to cover some of that cost, then that is what you're going to do. All right. Well, now my question is, to me, the slice of gold in all of this is always the fan. The one that commits to going, to paying the ticket price to paying the concession price, to pay for the parking, to pay for the gas to get there, whatever it may be. To me, they are the, the slice of gold and the platinum. Are leagues and conferences uh, at times forgetting about the slice of gold out there? Yes, I think so. And I think it's because mainly because fans haven't fully voiced their opinions, right? And what I've always said, and, and people don't have to – you know, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way because this is a business in which I earn my living. I keep my, my roof over my head and my lights on, right? 
But the reality is, if you want to make a statement, don't watch it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, remember a few years ago when the, and we'll see what happens this year, when the college football playoff semifinals were on New Year's Eve and the ratings were basically in the bottom of your, you know, 20 ounce, you know, three, two and a half foot trash can. Remember that? Yeah. And then they said, we're never going to do that again. And they didn't do it again for that contract. They, They got away from it because they understood that if no one's watching, they, they, that changes the average viewership, which changes how much money you can charge for sponsorships and advertisements. So I always tell people, the only way you can be as loud as you want is by you and a con- collection of people not watching. Right. When that happens, it changes what they do because they have to listen. They have to pay attention yeah. to what controls how much, again, we're going right back to the same place, money is going to come in in terms of uh, the revenue from those media partners. Right. To me, I think that you should make it as easy as it can be to get the games. I, mean, I, I agree. I, I, mean, I, I think if you're getting so much media money now, so much media money, you can make it easier for people to get the games. That's just my opinion. You're the Yankees. Do you have to charge that much at Yankee Stadium when you've already got Yes Network and Major League Baseball? You need to charge that that price to sit behind home plate? Really? That's that's why Kevin Warren is a borderline genius. He went to three linear broadcast networks. He didn't even go to cable. Yeah. He went to the three essentially biggest outside of ABC, obviously. Yeah linear broadcast networks and said hey you give me this money and you have access and 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 this is the other thing people don't think about and i don't care right this is the part that some people get lost in i don't care if they're actually watching but if you just look at the top four media markets or five media markets that are associated with the big 10 Mm -hmm. once ucla and usc enter which Mm -hmm. is market one new york market two la Market three, Chicago, market four, Philadelphia, and market nine, Washington, D.C. If you do the math on that, and, and I might be a little bit off on this, I looked this up a while back, that is about access to about a third of the homes in the United States of America. Okay, I'm going to say that again. About a third of the homes in the United States of America. It is easy for me to tell my media partner. Hey, we've got access to a third of the country. Write us this check, and you can get all the advertising you need, because guess what? Every advertiser that is a national company that wants to get access, they are willing to pay that kind of money to tap into a third of the country. Amazon, of course, paid a lot of money for Thursday Night Football, and I believe the last one in the series is coming up uh, tomorrow night when Tennessee takes on Dallas. They have promised twelve million, I think, was the number to advertisers. The average right now is nine point seven million. Uh, now, over time, let's face it, they they may get there over time. Is nine point seven million based on the people you have talked with? Yeah, because you've gone to New York, Las Vegas, you've been all over the place at these conferences. Is nine point seven million, even though it wasn't, didn't hit the target? enough of a foundation for Amazon moving forward? Yes, they think it is from everybody I've talked to. They're fairly happy with that number because they do believe 
part of it is people are going to have to react, and some people are slower to react. They also understand that there are contracts involved. A lot of people, um, and you can look at some of the timing, but a lot of people maybe perhaps renewed their, whether it was DirecTV or whatever the case may be, earlier on, and so they didn't have a chance to let that sort of, quote, fall off and then move to Amazon moving forward or things of that nature. So I think they're giving time about a year for people to adjust, right, for viewing habits to change. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of it is the quality of the games. Right. The, the Thursday night games have not always been the, quote, best games. And I think this is where the NFL, if I were the NFL, this is where I would get really creative and say, you know what, we're going to do Thursday night games and we're going to keep it on Amazon the way we have it set up. But this is a perfect time for them to say, at least from week six to week 15, everybody that's going to play in a Thursday night game is going to come off a bye week. We're going to make sure the quality of play is increased. If you do that, that will change some things. And so I think they've got to find the one little tweak. I think that would be the perfect one because I think that needs to happen anyway because then you're essentially giving teams two bye weeks because you're going to play on Sunday, then you're not going to play again until the following Thursday, then you're not going to play again until the following Sunday. So that's like nine days and like 11 days or however it slices Mm -hmm. right between those games. And that's a great way to really help some of these teams get more healthy and make that Thursday night game a higher quality game. And I think you'll get more and more people willing to watch and willing to find a way to watch because they expect a better product. The structure of the college football playoff is obviously going to change here in uh, 2024 when they go to 12 teams. Uh, There's now some talk among those who run the bowls about do we need to now make some changes to the bowls. Uh, There are, I don't know, how many bowl games do we have? 41, 42? Some number like that. that. Some number like that. And you have one five and seven team in there. That was Rice this year. Uh, everybody else was six and six or above. Uh, so we'll start with this. What, if any, changes would you make to this system? I would, and and I know ESPN would never do this because it's a money maker for them. I would eliminate probably three or four bowls. I would completely eliminate them, and regardless of your. APR, I, I would push that mark to seven wins. Mm-hmm. I would, And the reason for that would be I want you to have a not an okay season, not a winning season, no matter what. Because I look up sometimes and I see teams after bowl games and they're six and seven, and it just looks weird. Yeah. I just don't like it. Now, nice. that's just a personal thing. Sure. That's the first thing I would do, Steve. The second thing I would do, and I think this is probably the most important, I'd probably flip those, but one of the things that I would certainly do is I would find a way, and I know ESPN would not love doing this, but I would put all of these other bowl games. If you are not a playoff game, you are before January 1st. Mm-hmm. And I would move all of the playoffs and all that stuff January 1st and later. I, I would let that month, the month of December, the two and a half weeks of December, be a true appetizer to where there is a football game on almost every second. Mm-hmm full of bowl games, and then let that build up to the college football playoff. I don't like having the semifinals a couple of days before the Rose Bowl. It Mm -hmm. just feels weird to me. It feels anticlimactic in a way. Those games can get lost in the shuffle. 
And so I think if you do those kinds of things, and look, if the Rose Bowl wants to stay on New Year's Day, then you move everything else. And I'm not saying the Rose Bowl should have control of everything, but whether it's the Rose Bowl and the and the you know and the the the, the Sugar Bowl or whatever the games are that are not in the rotation, put those on New Year's and then start the playoffs after New Year's. I just I don't love unless you're now obviously with the 12 team playoffs you got to do some different things. If you want to do the first round before New Year's, that's fine pick a day and do it that way but I, I just think that you've got to do a better job building up to the playoff mm-hmm. and not let it fall in between some other games and kind of get looked at as just another bowl game ESPN owns 17 of the bowl games and for them I've always said give them credit where credit's due it's brilliant because it's brilliant programming on their part uh, when you look at it now here's one now, I know ABC carried it, but ABC and ESPN are owned by Disney. The Vegas Bowl. The Vegas Bowl. Mm-hmm. Won the day. Yeah. Uh, and they had 2.5 million viewers. They won the day. <laughs> Kentucky and UCLA and basketball did very well at 2 million. WWE SmackDown at 2.3 million and the NBA game between the Lakers and the Celtics had 1.7 million the Vegas Bowl won it live football is always going to get eyeballs number one Steve you know that number two this is another reason why ESPN is brilliant you mentioned the program right and it, it gives them programming at a time of year when there's not a lot going on the NBA is taking uh, longer time in between games. The NFL is obviously a weekend product also. Uh, so they're always looking for that. How do we fill those windows up during the week? Well, the other piece to that, which is why they're brilliant, is they make the schools buy a certain amount of the tickets. Right. So the tickets are sold regardless of whether or not people show up. Right. Because as one athletic director explained to me uh, in Vegas, the hard part that they were having was convincing people to buy the tickets directly from them right. to go to the bowl game as opposed to online from somewhere else because the school had already purchased them. And right. that, to me, is where ESPN and these bowl committees themselves have mastered the art. As I sit here right now, looking at the military bowl presented by Paraton, I've never heard of Paraton, <laughs> by the way. Neither have I. The upper deck is completely <laughs> empty. But guess what? UCF and Duke had to buy a certain amount of tickets upon acceptance to the bowl game to begin with. So that is where some of the schools, right, some of these programs, smaller schools that don't have as much money, they end up losing a little bit on these bowl games, but they win in terms of the extra practices and the chance to get better. But they lose financially because they have to purchase all those tickets, and if they don't sell them all, it becomes a problem, which is why places like Penn State – even on a six and six year, everybody wants them in a bowl game because guess what? Nittany Lion fans were, are going to show up wherever they possibly can to watch yeah. that football team play. Yeah, that was the problem Ohio State had last year at the Rose Bowl. It's, the Big Ten is allotted, I think they're allotted twenty to twenty two thousand. I think the Pac twelve is allotted forty. Something like that. And the reason is proximity. It's easier to travel in the Pac twelve so they get a bigger allotment than the Big Ten does. And Ohio State. I bet you sent, Penn State will have fifty thousand out there. Well, Ohio State sent back seven thousand tickets last year, something Ooh. like that. 
They sent back 7,000. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. You know, I mean, that's... Well, then again... But yeah, and for all we know, Ohio State had a lot of people go to Ticketmaster or whatever to get tickets there instead of going through the university. I mean, I don't know. Right, right. And that's one of the things that where the Bulls win is because they already know yeah. that you've got to... These tickets are sold, right? Yeah. As you mentioned, the allocation for the Pac-12 school is forty thousand. The allocation for the Big Ten school is twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. The Rose Bowl and their sponsor Prudential already knows we've got sixty thousand tickets sold. Right. That right. that that is a win. Right. Which means they, which means then they go to corporate people and so forth. Because I think now the the number there is eighty eight. I think is now the number. Yeah. So that means that, that leaves them with 28000 for them to sell, and some of them go to corporate people to begin with. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Prudential probably gets a 1,000 tickets to begin with, you know, because everybody that works for Prudential um, is is definitely going to get there, get them and their family in there. And that's how it right. goes, sure. right? And so that's yeah, how that's, you get the full stadium. Right. Well, that's like we talk about, like, Deflategate with Brady. They changed the footballs in every play in the Super Bowl, and it didn't affect them. Well, what do they do with the Super What do they do with the footballs in every play? They give them the sponsors. That's why mm-hmm. they change the football out every play in the Super Bowl. It's never the same that's ball right. twice. Never. <laughs> Have like I think it's like three hundred and twenty footballs or something, yeah. something crazy. Yeah, some that they number. carry to the game right. and they don't even need them all. Right, and what they do is they give them to the sponsors. Hey, thanks so much. Here's a game ball. Okay, mm-hmm. now it may have been used on a, on a play where the where they lost one. <laughs> it's a three yard loss, but it's your ball. <laughs> Congratulations. Right. That's right. All right, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Look forward to hearing from you in the new year. Absolutely. Myself as well. Look forward to uh, hearing from you as well. Happy New Year to you and the entire Jones family. We appreciate you, my man. We are. You are listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.